Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. We are talking about healthy relationships. I'm walking you through a lot of the concepts of my book, To Love and to Be Loved, Establishing Healthy Relationships. If you have not gotten a copy of this, I would highly encourage you to get a copy. This is not just about having bad relationships, but it's about really even good relationships, taking them to the next level. Most specifically, the relationship that you are walking in with God and with yourself first and foremost, and we're going to be going all the way down to some of those concepts today. We are talking about um, gadgets and gears, and we're going to be talking about mirroring spirits. And so we're kind of really in that place where we've talked about identifying um, the healthy characteristics of a relationship, identifying unhealthy characteristics of a relationship. And now we're talking about when you're ready for a change, what are some of the things that you need to know? So um, I want to talk about gadgets and gears today. So one of the reasons why I like this is because a lot of us, when we were children, we had that little toy where it had all those little gadgets and gears and they had um, the teeth that they would kind of hook in and you would spin one and it would kind of control the whole machine. And so all of those gadgets and gears all together made up something called a machine. And the way those gadgets moved, the way they were placed, who they were up against, for lack of a better term, really kind of defined the way the machine would run. Um, now, I like this picture because I feel like it is a great picture of when we're in relationship uh, that the personality is like the machine. It has a certain functionality and the functionality of it is made up of the individual gadgets and gears and the way that they spin. So for example, um, if I behave this way and I spin this way, it often, it, it will have an impact on all the people that are around me are connected to my life, just like all of those gears. Uh, would have an it would have an impact on all of those gears. So if I'm spinning this way, all of those gears would be impacted, and it would enforce a a movement upon them. And so often we live our lives like that, and, and it's true in that our relationships should have an impact on us, and we should be having an impact on relationships around us. And so I like that example because. Um, what it says to me is I am just one gear of an entire machine and I can't control the way other people spin within this machine. But what I can control is the way I'm going to spin. So if I say I'm spinning this way and I have, a, I have another gear here and it forces it to spin this way, the opposite is true as well. If this gear or this person in my life begins to spin this way, it would have an impact and would force this gear to spin this way or this way, whatever. Um, but the point is, is what I can control is not necessarily the way that gear is spinning, but I can put a wedge in my gear and say, I'm no longer going to allow you to force me to spin a particular way. Now, again, it's a good visual to say, okay, how do I, how does this person usually get me spinning? Um, how does this person usually impact me? How does this person usually have effect on me? So for example, this person gets angry and they yell at me and I yell back. Or this person yells at me and I respond in rejection, unlovability. Or this person uh, is aggressive with me and so I respond by being aggressive back. 
So whatever is uh, how you respond to them is the way your gear spins. Now the power that you have to change the personality, the entire machine, the personality of the relationship is to say, I see the way you're spinning and I'm no longer going to allow the way you're spinning to affect the way I'm going to spin. So that segues into what we call mirroring spirits. Now, the Bible addresses a lot of times how we should respond to people who maybe aren't the best, the the most loving, uh, they aren't the kindest to us over and over and over again. But that's very difficult because our tendency is to behave or to react um, in like manner of the person who is, is behaving or responding towards us. Um, And so we call that mirroring spirits. So we see children do this all the time. Well, he hit me first. Um, She kicked me. No, you kicked me first. And what they're doing is they're mirroring behaviors, okay? Now, I like to say mirroring spirits because if somebody is, um, because really, I'm not supposed to live my life according to flesh and blood. Um, I'm supposed to live my life according to a spirit. So if all I see is their behavior, Um, and I respond to their behavior, what I'm really actually doing is I'm allowing my spirit to mimic their spirit. So that's why I like to call it mirroring spirits um, because it's truer to what it is. It kind of opens your eyes to go, okay, this person's coming at me with anger. I see that spirit of anger and instead of modeling that behavior, I now recognize that that's me actually mirroring a spirit of anger. That I'm not, I'm not, I'm not responding to this person's flesh and blood. I'm actually being goaded by a spirit. So I want you to recognize that in every situation, there's that temptation to mirror the spirit that you are facing. It's the most, it's the easiest spirit for us to mirror because we are actually facing it. Now, if you are facing Jesus on a regular basis and you recognize the spirit of Jesus then ideally you should be mirroring the spirit of Jesus in every situation. Now let's go for a minute and read out of the Bible in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. So hang with me for a moment as I'm going to read this to you. It says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hateful. Hate, or sorry, do, do, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. To him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do for you, do also to them likewise. So again, we read this and it's like, oh my gosh, this is totally the opposite of what my inclination is to do. Why? Because our inclination is to mirror the spirit. If somebody hates me, I'm going to hate them back. If somebody curses me, I'm going to curse them back. If somebody blasts me on Facebook, I'm going to blast them back. And we justify our behaviors in that. Um, But the reality is that's not mirroring the spirit of God. You're actually being goaded by spirits, not of God. You're being goaded by spirits of this world. And you're coming into the likeness of those spirits instead of saying, I will not respond. So this is the invitation that God is giving to us and saying, look, you get to mirror the spirit of God, no matter the fear, the spirit you're facing. It's not a commandment. It's not a direct. He's, it's an invitation. He's saying, it's not that you have to, it's that you get to, that it's in your design that you get to love somebody 
even while they're hating you. You get to pray for somebody even while they're persecuting you. If somebody takes something from you, you don't have to go and shake them and take it back. This passage goes on, it says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is, it, is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? But even sinners lend to sinners and receive much back. But love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will have sons of the, you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Okay, so again, let's be honest. This is hard. This whole passage requires me to lay my life down, to lay the inclination of how I want to respond in situations, to lay those down. And I get to mirror the Spirit of God instead. So I want to talk about mirroring Jesus. Instead of mirroring the Spirit of people, we get to mirror Jesus. Now, if we watch the way Jesus interacts with people, the way he talks, the way he walks, the way he loves, the patience that he displays, reading the Gospels, really getting to know the character of God and saying, he, and, and really recognizing that he never responds to the drama, to the hype. He doesn't respond like the onlookers are responding. I think about the woman uh, being stoned and how he takes a moment and he pauses, he pushes the pause button and he really interacts with God in that moment. And he doesn't mirror all the spirits that are going on in the scene. He doesn't mirror the spirit of the Pharisees. He doesn't mirror the spirit of the woman. He doesn't mirror the spirit of the people that are standing around, but he really taps in to the character of God and says, I want to mirror the spirit of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 16, it says, for the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ compels us. Does it really? Are you compelled by the love of Christ in every relationship that you have? Are you being compelled by anger? Are you being compelled by their behavior? Are you being compelled by their words? Are you being compelled by their attitude? Because often we react, we, are, we feel that compelling. In fact, we say things like, well, she makes me mad or he makes me feel. No, that's a compelling spirit. But the Bible says we should be compelled by the love of God. And it goes on, it says, therefore, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Look, if I'm compelled by the love of God, then I would come into the therefore, which is therefore, since I'm compelled by the love of God, I no longer regard anybody to, according to the flesh. What does this mean? It means I'm not going to respond to your flesh. I'm not going to respond to your behaviors. And now, this doesn't mean I'm going to become a doormat, but it does mean I'm also not going to let you goad me and I'm not going to act a fool because you're acting a fool. It means I'm going to continue to take a stance of loving you, even in healthy boundaries. Again, that doesn't need to mean that you can't say occasionally, hey, I'm not okay with the way you're talking to me right now. So I'm going to step back. I'm going to ask you to step back and we're going to try and revamp for a moment and see if we can talk to each other a little bit differently. Is that a genuine conversation that you can have with somebody? Yes. Is it a genuine conversation that you should become adept in having? Absolutely. 
you should also be able to say those things about yourself. Hey, I'm not okay with the way I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling angry towards you and I need to take a step back. It takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of self-discipline to be able to do that. But when you're compelled by the love of God, it should become an automatic where you're like, ooh, I, I feel like I'm having a hard time loving this person right now. And so I need to step back. I need to revamp. I need to refocus. I need to reset in the love of God so that everything I say, every behavior, every action, every attitude that I display in this conversation exhibits the fullness of the character of Christ. I want to mirror the spirit of Jesus. This is how you get to behave. This is who you are designed to be. I'm telling you, it is easier. When you learn how to surrender to the character of Christ, it will become easier for you to just surrender to the love in a moment instead of surrendering to your anger, surrendering to your defense, surrendering to all of these things. This is such an important concept that I want you to get. It goes on and says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. The KJV says it like this, wherefore, henceforth, we know we know man after the flesh. I don't know you. I don't know you after the flesh. I don't see your flesh. I don't see your fleshly behaviors. But instead, when I look at you, I look in the eyes of love. I see the spirit of who you could be, who you should be, and I'm going to respond to that spirit. I'm not going to respond to flesh. So we want to come to this place where we, we can almost pay no attention to anything outside of the spirit. Now, again, this is not saying that you can't and shouldn't set boundaries in a moment, not just for the other person, but also for yourself. Learn to recognize when you're stepping out of the character of Christ and push the pause button on yourself. Take a moment to reset. That is okay. And it's also very good. It's a part of the process of self-awareness. It's part of us learning to discover who am I? What am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling it? And is this what I want to be feeling? Is this who I want to be? You've heard me say in several of these episodes that I, I often recognize when I've been with somebody, I'm like, I just don't really like who I am when I'm with that person. I'm not my favorite me. Uh, that wasn't my favorite moment in, in that conversation or that wasn't my favorite way to respond to those things. Really kind of recognizing who has God created you to be and saying, look, that's my favorite me and that's the me I want to be and teaching and training ourselves to be that way in relationships. So with some relationships, this means we're going to have to practice. We're going to have to practice loving that we all have difficult relationships in our life. Come on. And maybe you're one of them for somebody else. You, you got to be honest with yourself. I'm sure I'm difficult for some people. And so let's be honest with ourselves and saying like, okay, if I feel like I'm in a relationship that I find myself constantly responding in a way that I don't want to, or I feel like I feel this something inside of it. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Like I feel, uh, I feel angry. I feel agitated. I feel frustrated. I feel like I, I don't know what, the, what it is about this person. They just make me frustrated, whatever it is. That is a moment where you get to really step back and say, look, God, I want to examine this relationship. And most specifically, I want to examine who I am in this relationship. This is where I'm flipping that coin. Because in so many relationships, we want to fix the other person, focus on the other person, talk about why it's the other person's fault that I do X, Y, Z. There is no authority in that. 
In doing so, you are giving the other person all the power over you. You are saying that they have more authority over my own heart and over my own mind than I do. And so I really want you to recognize the authority that you have been given. That's why the Bible says you are the head and not the tail. Um, meaning there's a lot of relationships that we have are like a tail wagging like this and it ends up swinging the dog back and forth. And, and I don't want to live my life that way. I want to know who I am. I want to know how I get to respond in every situation and I want to stop playing checkers. Um, and so we use that term a lot, checkers, like you, you get angry, I get angry. You yell, I yell. You um, ignore me, so I'm going to ignore you. Uh, you didn't help me, so I'm not going to help you. Come on. The Bible talks about how love keeps no record of wrongs. Um, but often we develop personalities in relationship that's like, this person always spins left, so that means I have to spin right. And you get to change by saying, look, I realize that this person's always going to spend, spin left. But I have decided that when they spin left, I am no longer going to spin right. I'm going to change my behavior. And what happens then is this person is spinning this way. If you no longer spin this way and you go, I'm going to stop, most often it forces a change in all the gears around it. That's what I'm wanting for you. So you don't have to say you need to change. You By you changing, you will enforce a change in the personality of the relationship. So this is super important. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of, his, of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So what we want to do is we want to be driven by the love of God. We want to be driven by God himself. We don't want to get entangled. Come on, we don't want to get tangled up in the emotions of the person that we're deal, dealing with. We don't want to get tangled up in, in, all, in their anger, in their offense, in their whatever it is. But rather, you get to take a stand. You, you get to say, I see your angry, anger. I feel your anger. But I'm going to respond to your anger in gentleness, in kindness, in self-control. And in such a way, you carry the ability to diffuse that anger in a moment. Okay? So, and I realize um, that I'm not talking about every relationship, but I am talking about 95% of relationships. Okay, so one of the things that will keep you from really mirroring the spirit of Jesus is when we pick up an offense, meaning I've gotten personally offended. Now, I've shared a lot about Brad and I and when we kind of came to this place where we wanted to change our marriage. And what we needed to realize was that we were not offending each other in moments even though we were offending each other in moments. But we were not taking that personally. What we started to realize is there was an offense to the design that God had in mind for us for our marriage. And it helped us depersonalize and saying, ooh, my behavior there, even though it offended you, it's really not about my offense to you. It's about my offense to the design that God has in mind for us. And looking at that vice versa, so it keeps us from being motivated by personal offense. And so I don't want to be offended. I don't want to live offended. When somebody comes to me and says, I was offended when, um, I let them know. I, I don't usually say this, like, especially if I'm the one who's offended them. Um, but if they say I was offended by her, or I was offended by, I will say, well, that's your fault. Why were you offended? Why did you allow that person to have that kind of impact over you? When the reality is, it's usually an offense to the design that God has in mind for you and that person. 
Now think with me for a moment about Jesus when he went into the temple and um, into the temple of God. He drove out all of the people that were buying and selling in the temples. And there was this righteous anger that came upon him. But Jesus was not personally offended. What he was offended by was the design and the functionality of the temple that God had in mind was being offended by what they were doing. And I wish that we would get that riled up in our relationships um, because the design that God has in mind for us for our relationships is often being offended. It's not about you and I being offended. It's about the design being offended. So your empowerment is to recognize that offense is of the soul. A righteous stirring and saying, ooh, I want to, I want to fight for something better in our design is a spiritual response. So often, if you're being offended, if you can grab a hold of that emotion, harness it and say, okay, God, this is something that I feel like offends me, okay, offends me, but it's really not about me. It's about what I feel like you have in mind for us, we. I believe you have a better design in mind for this person and myself, and I feel like that design is being offended. Now I feel motivated by the design of Christ instead of being motivated by my own wound, my own rejection, my own anger, my own hurt, my own offense. Now I'm being motivated by, by God's excellence to do something to enforce a change. But instead, often what happens is we get offended and we just cut that person out and we become disconnected from that person. Often we spend time disconnected with people that we live with because we are offended. And when you are doing that, you are not winning. You are not sticking it to that person. It is Satan sticking it to God, period, point blank. And so you have to decide that offense does not, it is the bait of Satan. It does nothing but divide, cause division, separates you from what you are designed for, and that is connecting with people around you. So remember, offense will keep you from really mirroring the Spirit of God. So be careful because it is a trick. It is the bait of Satan. So I want you to really um, take a, I have said a lot in this um, episode. I want you to get a copy of the book. Um, go to my website. You can take the online course where I'm actually teaching and training. I actually have a puzzle of gadgets and gears, and I do a demonstration of all the gadgets and gears and, and the power that you have to enforce a change in the entire personality. One gear that doesn't move in that machine changes the way that entire machine functions. That is the power that you carry, and I want you to start walking in. All right, you guys, that sums it up for today. Remember, enforcing purpose. It starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.